Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Today I'll be reading from Luke chapter 16, verse 1 through 13. Luke 16, 1 through 13. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. He also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? So he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your true, excuse me, to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, Who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Good afternoon. We've been thinking together about the parables. Jesus is trying to help his disciples to know and understand what it means to allow God to reign and rule in their hearts and in their lives. If we allow God to have his way, our lives are going to look different because we will think differently. We will behave differently. We will be different people if we allow God to reign and rule in our lives. And so we've looked at a few of these parables, and in each case, Jesus is trying to help his disciples see how God expects them to conduct themselves. And he's also showing them something about God that should provoke them, that should motivate them to be the kind of people that God wants them to be. The same is true in this parable. This one is, like I said about some of the others, it's one of my favorites. I want to take a look with you at Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse number one. Now, I'll remind you that just before this, we see in Luke chapter 15, the uh, episode with the uh, what we call sometimes the prodigal son. And after this, we're going to see after this particular parable, we're going to see the story of Lazarus and the rich man tucked right between these two is this parable of the shrewd steward. 
Now, you'll just notice that each of these accounts has something to do with the way people are managing financial resources. The financial resources, though, that's really not the heart of the issue. But each of them involves the management of financial resources. Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse number one. Jesus says to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward and the same this steward is accused unto him, unto the master of wasting his goods. First, you'll notice the man's position. He is the steward to a rich man. This is a privileged position for him to be in. You know what a steward is. A steward is someone who wields influence and authority over the goods of someone else. The charge is that they're supposed to use those resources in the best interest of the owner. The steward is not the owner, but they have access to and authority over the goods of someone else. I tell you, it's a good position to be in when the person you're working for has a lot of resources, a lot of power and a lot of authority. And if they will entrust that to you, that puts you in a pretty good position. And so our steward is in a good and advantageous position because he's working for, Jesus says, a rich man. This is a a great opportunity for him. But as soon as we find out about his position, we also find out that he has a problem. Look at verse number two. The master calls him and says to him, what is this that I hear of you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. This is interesting. The first requirement of a steward is that he be faithful. And the master says, I'm hearing bad things about your service. What is this that I hear? And he's giving him an opportunity. You have to give an account for what you've done with my resources, he says. I told you before, there's always going to be a reckoning and this is it. And so the master comes to him and says, I've heard unfavorable things. I need you to explain to me. I need you to show me what you've been doing with the goods I've entrusted to your care. And he knows that the likely result is this man is going to be terminated. He says, you can no longer be my steward. This does not leave our gentleman friend with uh, very good prospects. He expects to be fired. In verse number three, he says within himself, what shall I do? There's a dilemma here. What shall I do seeing that my Lord takes away the stewardship from me? He says, I do not have the strength to dig and to beg. I am ashamed. And one thing I'll say about this fellow is he does know himself. He's honest with himself about who he is. He says, wait a minute. You know, there are guys who can work hard for a living. I'm just not that kind of guy. I'm not built like that. I'm not a strong enough man to go out and sort of work the fields and bend my back and bow my knees and work so that I can take care of myself. He says, I'm just not very good at that. I'm not built for that. He says, I've got too much pride to to go out into the world and beg. And that doesn't leave him a lot of options, does it? I mean, if you're not going to beg and you're not going to work, what's left? He does, though, decide that there's something that he can do. 
And so he has a plan of what he can do to make sure that when he's fired, he has some decent opportunities ahead of him. And so the text says in verse number four, this is our steward speaking within himself. I have resolved what to do when I am put out of my stewardship that they may receive me into their houses. Well, who's the they? He's saying, listen, if I'm going to be fired from working for this guy, this guy who has all of these resources, all this opportunity that I have, if I'm going to lose out on that, then what am I going to do next? I'm going to have to curry favor with, I'm going to have to gather some opportunity from some other people. And so he says, here's what I'm going to do for them. So that when I'm fired, he's living in this man's house. When I'm fired, somebody will receive me into their houses. And so here's his plan. Verse number five, calling to him each one of his Lord's debtors, he says to the first, how much do you owe my Lord? I figure he should know how much is owed. I mean, that's his job, isn't it? To uh, watch over his master's goods. He calls the first guy and he says, how much do you owe my Lord? In verse number six, The first man says a hundred measures of oil. And so the steward says to him, listen, take your bond or your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Now you have a debt. You owe my Lord a hundred measures. And while I'm still in this position, while I still have authority over my master's goods, I will allow you to settle your debt for 50 cents on the dollar. Whose interest is he looking out for when he does that? I mean, his master is owed a hundred measures. And he says to the guy, I'll settle your debt for 50 cents on the dollar. Whose interest is he looking out for? He's not looking out for his master. He's trying to curry favor with the one who owes his master. And then he calls a second guy. Verse number seven. Then he said to the to another And how much do you owe? And he says, a hundred measures of wheat. And he says to him, take your bond or your bill and write 80 for score. I'll settle with you for 80 cents on the dollar. Now, listen, the folks that he's talking to, they don't know that he's going to be fired in pretty short order. His master hasn't fired him yet. He's just told him, listen, you're not going to be able to stay in the position you're in. I want to have an accounting with you. And when we finish this accounting, the likelihood is you're going to be out on your keister. And so he says, well, I need to do something in the meantime. And so what he does in the meantime is he goes and starts to have a slash. He has a slash sale getting rid of the debt that people owe to his master. He's not doing his job for his master. He's currying favor with the people who owe his master. Now, what do you think the master is going to feel about that when he finds out? I've heard that this guy has not been pursuing my best interest. That's why I want to have an accounting with him, because I think he's doing some funny business and not looking after my my affairs the way that he should. I'm going to fire this guy. And then when he finds out that in the meantime, this guy has run out and given away the debt that is owed for 50 cents or 80 cents on the dollar. What do you think the master is going to feel about that? Well, Jesus tells us in verse number eight, his Lord commended the unrighteous steward because he had done wisely. See, a lot of people read that and they're a little befuddled by what's going on here. Jesus says the master commends this man because he's done wisely or shrewdly. 
The reason this throws people sometimes, though, is because the person who is the uh, sort of hero in the account is a rogue. He's a 'er ne'er-do-well. He's not a good man. He's not someone that we would want to celebrate. And so we think to ourselves, why in the world would Jesus hold this man up as an example? Well, now listen closely. Jesus says that the man is an unrighteous steward. Jesus realizes that he's not a good person. Jesus realizes that he's not done a good job. Jesus realizes that he's not been faithful. But his point is, in this one thing, he has the right idea. He's done wisely. What is the idea? He knows that the position that he's in is not permanent. He knows that the access that he has at some point is going to be cut off. And he has to make a decision and the decision that he makes is he's going to use the time that he has and the access that he has to these resources, though temporary, to make sure he has a good place to go when he leaves his current position. And even his uh, master, when he sees that, he's got to he's got to kind of chuckle to himself. Well, that was pretty smart of that guy. To use the limited time that he has and the access to my resources to make sure that he's got a good place to go when he leaves. He'd done wisely. He'd been shrewd. Jesus, after this, gives the application. He tells his disciples what they're supposed to learn. Now, you'll remember he's speaking to his disciples. He gives them this account. And look at the second part of verse number eight. Jesus says, for the sons of this world are for their own generation wiser than the sons of light. He's saying, I would like for my disciples to learn something from people who don't even know God, people who don't even respect God. He's just saying it's just a matter of common sense. Heathens can realize that if they are not going to be in this place forever, that they need to make some plans and some preparation for where they're going to go. He says the sons of this generation have that much common sense. You can't stay here, so you have to give some thought and make some investment in where you're going to go next. He says the sons of this generation know that much I wish the sons of light had that much wisdom they were that shrewd they had that much common sense why does he say that you know it's possible for people who know God and who know that God has plans and preparations for what's going to happen with them after this life. There are people who can know that and lose sight of the fact that they cannot stay here. There are people who know God who can become so absorbed with what's happening here that they forget that this is temporary. Doesn't matter how much you love it. Doesn't matter how comfortable it is for you. Guess what? You cannot stay here. If you're smart. If you're wise. If you're shrewd. You'll use the finite time you have right now. To make plans for where you're going next. Look at what Jesus says, beginning in verse number nine. And I say to you 
make friends to yourselves by means of the mammon or the resources of unrighteousness that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal tabernacles. What's he saying? While you have access to these worldly things, while you're here, you ought to use the access that you have to leverage your opportunities to go somewhere else after this. Use the money, use the resources that you have on this earth to make friends in heaven. You see, that's what our steward is doing. He's He's using the resources that he has access to temporarily to make friends for the next place, the place he hopes to go after this. And so Jesus says that we need to leverage our worldly wealth to secure a heavenly home. I hope you uh, like the accommodations that you have. I hope your house is comfortable and I hope the bed you sleep in is wonderful and all of that. But can I tell you, you don't get to stay here. See, where are you going next? Sometimes people give all kinds of attention to the physical infrastructure of their house. And they have all these things that they like and the things that help them to be comfortable. And they'll make sure that all that's accessible to them in their house. And sometimes, you know, what we want in our house most of all are the people that we love and so forth. And we give all of our time and attention to that. There's nothing wrong with that. But the wisest thing you can do, you see, because tomorrow that can be taken away. The wisest thing you can do is use whatever resources you have in this life to secure your next dwelling place. That's what he's saying to his disciples. In verse number 10, he says, he that is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. And he that is unrighteous in a very little is also in right, unrighteous in much. Therefore, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to your trust the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? What's his point? He's saying the things that you have access to right now. It's not even yours. The things that you have access to right now, it really is just a very little. And if you were wise, then you would use this opportunity where God has entrusted you with a very little for a short period of time. You would use this opportunity to show God that you can be trusted with what you have. This is an opportunity, he's saying, for you to leverage the little bit that you have so you can have access to true riches. Listen to me, friends. These are not true riches. It doesn't matter how big your home is. It doesn't matter how nice the car you drive is. It doesn't matter how fancy your attire. It doesn't matter how sumptuously you fare every day. These are not true riches. If you're satisfied with these things, then why would God give you more? If your appetite for righteousness is satiated with things, then why would God give you more? No, what we're supposed to do is show God that we understand the proper place for the things that we have. We understand how to use those things to ingratiate ourselves to him and show him that we can be trusted. If we do. That makes him want to open up his home 
to receive us into eternal tabernacles and give us access to true riches. In verse number 13, Jesus says, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to one and despise the other. Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon or money or stuff or things. I don't know if everybody believes Jesus when he says you can't do it. I don't know if everybody believes that. I think sometimes we think Jesus is making a polite suggestion. Rather than making an authoritative declaration, he says it can't be done. The reason I say that I'm not sure everybody believes that is some people do try to serve God and their stuff. It's not what you say. See, it's not what you say with your mouth. It's what you do with your life that tells the tale. I wonder what we would be willing to give up. What we would be willing to sacrifice to do things God's way. Would you be willing to live in a smaller home than the one you live in right now? Would you be willing to have a lesser income than you have right now? Would you be willing to go from having three vehicles or two vehicles to one? Would you be willing to ride the bus or walk? Would you be willing to make sure that your children are growing up the way God wants them to grow? Would you be willing to walk away from a job that pays you more money than you would have ever imagined so that you can make sure that your children have everything God intends for them to have in this life? It's not what you say that makes it true. When you serve God, it looks different. When you put him first, it looks different. It's not what you say. It's what you do that makes it true. Jesus says you cannot do both. I'll tell you, I don't know if everybody believes that. I see a lot of people try. If you try to do both. Here's what's going to happen. Because God and the world are not in agreement. There's going to be conflict. And you're going to have to make some decisions. And if you try to do both at some point. You're going to put God second. That's what's going to happen. If you put God second, you might as well put him last. You understand he's not going to be second. You're going to put him first or you're not going to be faithful. And so Jesus is telling these disciples, listen, this is an opportunity. That is how you wield the resources that you have access to in this life. This is an opportunity for you to secure an eternal home with God, to show God that you are faithful and for you to demonstrate that you put him first. This is why he says the the, uh, the steward is shrewd. He's wise. He's a rogue. He's unrighteous. Jesus says he's unrighteous. If you look at his life in general, you wouldn't say he's a model. He's an example for us to follow. 
But in this respect, Jesus says, in some cases, the sons of light are not even as wise as the children of this generation. He's saying the people who claim to know God and have relationship with God are sometimes not even as wise as the heathen, because even the heathen knows if I can't stay here, I need to now make preparation for where I'm going next. Uh, Brothers and sisters, uh, I just want you to know you can't stay here. I happen to like it here. I mean, I've got a I've got a good wife and I've got good children. I've got a loving church family. I've got friends that I've known a long time. I've got physical family members that I love. But one of these days, one of these days, I am going to lay the body down. I've been telling my children since they were quite young that one day their dad may leave the house and not come home again because I did not want them to be discouraged or have their faith overthrown or to feel that they've been mistreated somehow if they wind up growing up without a father. God doesn't owe me any more time. One of these days will be my last day. I can't stay here. And neither can you. And you should live your life with that reality ever before you. Don't be too comfortable here. This world is not our home. Jesus says, I am going to leave them in the world. They have something to do in the world, but they are not of the world. Still, don't take them out of the world, but guide them through the world. One of these days... Our work here on earth is going to be done. Where are you going when you leave here? A lot of people assume, a lot of people assume that God is definitely going to open the gates of heaven, as it were, and receive them into these eternal habitations. A lot of people just assume that. And I can tell you that if we are faithful in this life, God has promised that he would do that. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you can be where I am. So I know that if we're faithful in this life, he will do it. He's promised that he will do it. I'm just saying to you, that's not the only option. And if we allow ourselves to become derelict, if we're not faithful, if our master, if he if he were to receive a a bad report, you know, it's possible for him to look at us and say, you know, you can no longer be my steward. You know, that's a real possibility because there has to be a reckoning. We need to make sure that as we go through this life, we are persistent in our prayer because God does provide. We need to make sure that as we're going through This life, we're being liberal in our sowing of the word of God because God gives increase. He does. We need to make sure that uh, as we're going through this life, we are being passionate in how we love God because because God forgives. We need to make sure that we're being faithful in our service to God because. Well, because God rewards We need to make sure that we don't allow care 
and concern for the world to corrupt us. We need to make sure that we're being shrewd or wise in our stewardship, how we use the stuff, the time, the opportunity that God gives us because God receives. He receives his stewards into eternal habitations. I'd like to go to heaven when I die. One of these days, I'm going to die. It doesn't frighten me. It doesn't concern me. One of these days, I'm going to die. I have no concern about that at all. The only thing that concerns me is when I leave this place where I'm going. And because of that, I try to live my life a certain way. Not because I want to accumulate or amass anything here. I'm trying to lay my treasure up in heaven where moths and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. See, what about you? One of these days, you're going to die. And I'll tell you, you young people, listen, don't be thrown by that. Don't be afraid of that. It's going to happen to everybody. Don't be afraid of that. One of these days, you're going to die. That's how life works. What you need to do in the meantime, though, is give your attention and your focus and your passion to how you live. Live so that when you die, you can go to be with God in heaven for eternity. That's what wise people do. You'll see people do other things, but that's what wise people do. We can go to heaven because of Jesus. Jesus is the son of God. He came to the earth to show us how to live. He came to the earth and showed us how to die. He showed us what it means to be raised to walk in newness of life. He's gone to heaven so that we can go to heaven ourselves. Listen, he came from heaven and is going back to heaven. And he says that he is the way. He's the one who shows us how to get to heaven. Now live your life like that's where you want to be. Jesus is the son of God. He died for you and for me. You and I have to live now for him. That's another way to think about repentance. He died for us so that we can live for him. We live for ourselves. When we change our minds to live for him, then we have repented. If you haven't already, if you haven't already, you should be baptized for the remission of your sin. If you haven't been, you should be baptized to have your sin washed away. Listen to me for just a second. I'm not saying you should be baptized to demonstrate that you believe in God. I'm not saying you should be baptized because you've been saved and this is a way to sort of confirm your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you haven't been baptized to have your sins washed away, then you should be baptized to have your sin washed away. It's not enough to say in your mind, I'm going to change and live better. That's great. It doesn't take care of the debt you've accumulated because of your past sin. The only way to do that is to be baptized. The Bible says baptism does also now save us. It couldn't be really any more plainly stated than that. First Peter three and twenty one baptism saves you. If you haven't been baptized to have your sin washed away, then you should be. If you have. 
then I just encourage you, don't get too concerned, too wrapped up with the affairs of this world. Don't become so committed that what's happening in this world politically and socially and financially and all of that, that it takes you away from remembering this is not your home. Jesus didn't die so you could be an American. Jesus didn't die so you could be a part of some political party. Jesus didn't die so that you could sort of segregate yourself from people who look this way or that way. Jesus died so you could go to heaven. And you need to live like that's where you intend to go. I hope these thoughts have been helpful. I hope that uh, maybe looking at these simple stories that Jesus tells, that it can help us to sort of renew our faith and and reinvigorate us in our walk with Christ. I'm telling you, Jesus says, be harmless as doves, but be wise as serpents. We have to be shrewd people to make it through this life the way God wants us to. We have to be shrewd people. Not unrighteous, not unsavory, not untrustworthy, but wise nonetheless. You've only got so much time. You need to make sure you're using that time to prepare for where you're going next. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.